Hello, listeners and viewers, and welcome to the podcast today. We have something a little different for you today, which I am really excited about. Uh, my guest today is uh, Felicia, and she is coming to us from Pennsylvania. She is a critical care anesthesiologist, a mommy blogger, and a mom of four under four. Oh my gosh, I get tired even saying that. <laughs> She uh, has written, the, written her uh, very unique and interesting memoir called Spirit of a Hummingbird, Memories from a Childhood on the Run. And uh, I am just so excited to hear what you have to say, Felicia, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So um, I've read a few of the reviews on your memoir, and uh I'm just going to read one of them so that the audience can kind of give an idea of what was going on in your memoir, and then we'll talk more. It says, deftly weaving personal history with the history of the Chinese-Vietnam gang violence in downtown Boston during the late 1980s and early 1990s, Felicia Heath has penned a remarkable account of a childhood on the run, not just from law enforcement, but from a father whose unpredictable actions threatened to collapse the foundation of their family unit. Gripping and gut-wrenching, this is an unforgettable memoir of resilience and fortitude in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds. Wow, that really sets it up. <laughs> so um, we know that you went through a lot of hardship and pain and struggle and found motivation to move towards brighter days. Mm -hmm. And wherever you would like to start, Let's let's really talk about your story, and um, I know that people listening and watching will be very motivated and inspired by what you have to say. So my story is essentially my personal story growing up as the daughter of a teenage immigrant mom from Vietnam during the end of the war, and a father who was a prominent gangster in Boston. In, in the 80s and 90s. And essentially I weave both of their incredible stories into my memoir as we all live life on the run from law enforcement. My father escapes prison in the late 1980s and we essentially bounce back and forth from the United States and Canada. And then all the things that come with that type of lifestyle. So the chaos, the dysfunction, my father was abusive, we suffered poverty. There was a lot of trauma involved with just my mom being a very young mother and uh, a, a foreigner you know, trying to assimilate in Western culture um, and all of that and how at the end, you know, it's essentially a story of generational trauma, perseverance, and then how I survive that somehow and get to where I am today. Which is uh, an incredibly accomplished woman. Um, so, um, you know, I just say hurrah. I think that so often, you know, each of us involved in our own story and very legitimately, we've had experiences that are traumatic and setbacks and, you know, whether it's been uh, bullying or abuse mm -hmm. or poverty or whatever it might be, um, we hold that often into our adult years, decades and decades and decades. Yeah. And mm -hmm. does your story uh, share with us the overcoming part of it, how you became the Felicia that you are today? 
I mean, you're very right in the sense that we hold on to it and we almost use it as an excuse sometimes or an obstacle, or mm-hmm. we say, this is why I'm not where I want to be or imagine myself to be because of all of these things that happened decades ago um, that are not true to who you are in the present day. For me, overcoming invo- involved a lot of the you know, factors, one of which was because of the trauma and the dysfunction and the abandonment, I did have to turn inward. So it, that requires a lot of self-talk and almost in a way lying to myself, <laughs> saying, I'm going to get through this mm-hmm. because no one else is going to get me through it. No one's going to fight for my happiness. No one's going to survive on my behalf. No one is going to push as hard as I do for myself. So I think a lot of that I, I did have to do by turning inward and realizing that I was the only person that would get myself in, out of this situation. After a while, you believe it. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I believe it's an indication, that little inner ding that we have that is like, yeah, you can get to, you can get through this. You can get to the other side. And like you yeah. said, some of us deny it and, and decide to stay stuck in story. And some of us hang on to that little voice for dear life and move forward. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just a matter of listening and then essentially believing. So that had a lot to do with me overcoming. The other way that I was coping was through, you know, education and school. Because I didn't have any stability when I did have school, there was a a schedule and there were certain people that I saw every day. And there was the stability and predictability of math and numbers. And if I did a certain, if I did things a certain way and problem solved, I always came to where I was supposed to be. So I really tapped into that. And between math and reading, being an, I would read to escape my own life. <laughs> and I think that that being able to focus my hmm, uh, my negative feelings into those type of things uh, ultimately helped me overcome as well because it opened doors for me and you know I I was academic and able to pursue something that was better for me and my family. Um, through, through that outlet. So Felicia, what motivated you to, to one day make the decision to uh, go to the computer or pick up a pen and paper and start writing your story? I had thought about it for a long time when I first started telling people about my story. For a long time, I didn't tell anyone because I thought people would feel like I was an imposter or judge me for my path, especially in the field that I'm in where, you know, (laughs) a lot of people go into medicine because their parents were doctors and educated. Um, My story was not your traditional one. So I held back a lot. And then I started to leak it here and there and be more comfortable. And rather, I found that people are actually, you know, very supportive and (laughs) inspired by it. And I, and then when I kept doing that, I started to feel like, well, maybe I should be sharing the story with more people on paper. 
so I started writing during COVID actually, <laughs> uh, when there was nothing else to do. So after the, all the babies were finally asleep, I would spend a few hours writing, not knowing where it was going to take me. And then essentially I wrote maybe 30 or 40 pages and I was brave enough to let my husband read it. <laughs> and he was like, you need to finish this book. He was like, I think you really have something here. And he believed in it and he believed in the craft. So I started some writing workshops. And then finally, uh, we had our third baby. And he's like, we're both taking a month off. You need uninterrupted time. So he stayed with the babies. And I left and went to a, a studio for three weeks straight and just wrote it beginning to end. Well, first of all, let me just say I love your husband. <laughs> How wonderful. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and I know that, you know, as you say it that way, it makes it sound like it was a fairly easy process. And as a writer myself, uh, I know what it's like to, to uh, you know, we get inside our own heads and, and yes. come up with every reason to procrastinate and so on. And, and we have this dream of, well, maybe I could just go to a studio or a little cabin in the woods, yes. right, for three weeks. And then we do that mm -hmm. and, we, and we discover it's absolute hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've committed, so we get it done. And I'm so glad that you did. And when you first said, I started leaking it a little bit, you know, telling it a little bit here and there. I thought it was yeah. interesting to use the word leak. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it just telling, I think, I think people who have been through so, so much um, diversity and conflict in their past sometimes carry that shame with it. And like you said, you didn't follow the traditional path of someone in medicine. Uh, I would think that as you shared that story, First of all, some of the shame behind it lifted. And secondly, that people would admire you even more because of your journey to where you are now. Yes, it did. It did certainly start to, to lift after talking about it more and being more open. It really just started with, you know, what are your what does your dad do or where are your parents from? <laughs> and rather than being vague, I was just honest. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, since you asked, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> now you can just hand out the book. <laughs> um, so is there a particular story that is popping into your mind right now that you have written in the book that you would like to share with the viewers and listeners? Um, there are so many, but... Uh... It's not like me to put people on the spot. <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, I should have probably prepared you for that question. But, you know, just anything that um, maybe stands out to you this week, maybe something that I'm Messy, absolutely. So I am preparing for a speaking engagement next week. And one of the parts I use from the book is there's one part where I, I'm in, a, in and out of school because we're on the run. So I don't get to be at the same school in the same district all the time. So I'm, we're finally gonna quote unquote settle. And my mom takes me to enroll into first grade and an, at an elementary school. And we're sitting, you know, across the desk from the principal and he's looking, he's like, there's no records, you know, has she been going to school? What's going on here? And just questioning things and then, uh, he uh, emphasizes that 
perhaps I need ESL, which is English as a second language, right? Uh, and my mom insists she doesn't need that. Her English is sufficient. And at that point, my English was pretty good uh, to the point where I was forgetting my, my Vietnamese and my Cantonese. So it was pretty good. And I was reading a lot. So then I take an aptitude test and I pass and he still enrolls me in ESL. <laughs> and he says, no, she should have it. She should have it. It'll, it'll be better if she, to drop it later if we find out she doesn't need it. And then I sit in ESL, I think probably for a couple of years when I spoke and knew English perfectly well. I actually won the, the, the first grade spelling bee, <laughs> but I still had to sit in ESL. So at that time I was wondering like, what does this guy see, you know, when I'm reflecting, when he's pushing this class onto me, he doesn't care about my aptitude test results. He doesn't care how I speak or how I write. He's just looking at, you know, my mom who has a Vietnamese accent and she looks very young and I'm in clothes that are oversized and my shoes are <laughs> broken. I'm kind of a, a little bit of a mess. So that's all he sees. Um, and I always, I always think about that scene and I, I'm like, I wish I could go back there <laughs> and be my future self. And I be like, Felicia, don't listen to this guy because in 10 years, you're going to be, you know, in one of the most uh, world-renowned institutions in the country for your fellowship. And in 20 years, you're going to be practicing medicine, saving lives every day. In 30 years, you're going to be named the vice president of your hospital. I wish I could have gone back and told that little girl that. <laughs> brings tears to my eyes. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> you would never think that the feelings he imposed on me that in, you know, the future would be like that. You know, Felicia, it's so important <laughs> that you're sharing your story because you're not alone. And no matter what the, what the background is, your background, mm -hmm. uh, other people's background, we have almost all of us at some point been made to feel small and be made to feel less than. And what you shared and said, if I could go back to that little girl and tell her, hey, it's not only going to be okay, it's going to be extraordinary. That yeah. That, what a beautiful message that you're sharing <laughs> uh, in, your, in your public speaking events, in your book and, and in podcasts like this, that no matter where we are in life and, and who's listening, whether we're thinking about today or we're thinking about 20 years ago, it's going to be okay, right? Mm -hmm. And that just because other people define us as something, that does not mean who we are. Exactly. Yeah. That's oh, you know, I'm just so uh, incredibly, I feel so blessed to have had this time with you today yeah. to talk about this and, and for the listeners and so on. What a story of, you, you've used the word overcoming. What a story of overcoming. So I just uh, am currently reading a book by a, uh, well, I'll just say by Michelle Obama. And mm -hmm. she talks about how even after, you know, she had written her first book and, and shared her story, uh, how she, you know, spent so much time wondering, am I enough? Should I be sharing? Should I be shining my light? Um, I, I have to think that 
because of your background, which was kind of, I, I think you used the term under the radar, or I read the term somewhere, kind of living under the radar so much. What does it feel like now to uh, be in the spotlight and to really shine and say, uh, I'm, I'm an open book? It is cathartic. <laughs> it's empowering. And it's very validating um, to finally be able to, you know, work, walk in my purpose and share my truth and have everything just out there <laughs> and share my story with the world. It is, you know, very therapeutic in some ways. I'm just uh, so grateful that you're sharing this with the people who are watching, watching and listening, and and frankly, with the world, with through your book and your speaking engagements. Now, we talked about you know being a child and being able to go back and say, uh, you know, hey, everything worked out okay. And what about for those people who maybe right now in this moment are dealing with? those feelings of uh, not enough or or maybe in the middle of a, a, a job ending or a relationship ending or they uh, are so stuck in uh, poverty they don't see any way out. What can you tell people who are in that dark place that you were once in? I would tell them to just listen. Just do there and it's it's not easy but find some peace and just for me it's through meditation and find some peace and silence and listen to the voice that tells you it's gonna get through it because that voice is there we're just ignoring it mm -hmm. but it does exist um and if at all possible to hold on to that, the, their, the positive side of that day, that story, that event. Because that event or that experience is not what's going to define you. It's your whole, the, the whole story from beginning to end. This is just either a blip or a speed bump that's going to get you somewhere better if you believe in that. That's incredibly great advice uh, and just listening, listening, like you said, get quiet and listen and know that you are enough, know that you have that spark within you that will keep you going and yeah. keep you moving forward to brighter days. Uh, Felicia, and I want to add, sorry, go ahead. And I, I want to just add to that, that you don't even need to know how. You just have to believe in that voice. You don't need to know how. You don't need to know how that the universe is going to rearrange itself to get you there but you do have to believe in that end product. Spectacular advice. <laughs> so often we get stuck, you're right. We get stuck how. we don't know how. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Um, I wanted to ask about your family. Do you have siblings? Are, you, are your parents still uh, living? Um, yes, both my parents are still living. My mom lives in New Hampshire. We have a great relationship. Um, I Not so much with my father were pretty much estranged um and then I have one sister a younger sister she lives in Virginia and I have a younger brother that lives in New Hampshire well I am sure that uh, your family is so incredibly proud of you for yeah. 
uh, shining your light and sharing this story. I want to share your website, uh, mixedfeelingsmama.com. I took a peek at your website earlier, <laughs> and I just, I just love how honest you are <laughs> and uh, relatable, so beautiful. So that's mixed feelingsmama.com and you can get the book spirit of a hummingbird memories from a childhood on the run well anywhere books are sold uh you know go to amazon uh go to your bookstore goodreads wherever it might be uh if they don't have it they can order it in for you also very exciting it's coming out on audible later this year but go ahead and pick up that uh that paper copy now, and you can always listen to it on Audible later. Spirit of a Hummingbird, Memories from a Childhood on the Run. Our guest today, Felicia Heath, sharing her beautiful, amazing, inspiring story and such a wonderful spirit. I haven't stopped smiling since you were yeah. on, the, on the show with us. Uh, the website again, mixedfeelingsmama.com. Uh, I want to share your favorite quote before we sign off here today, and then I'll ask you if you have any final words for the listeners and viewers. But uh, the favorite quote that you uh, gave to me was, pain is the little voice in your head that tries to hold you back because it knows if you continue, you will change. And that's by Kobe Bryant. <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful quote. Because it knows if you continue, you will change. So keep going, yeah. push through it. And that change is going to be phenomenal. Thank you so much, Felicia. We appreciate you and uh, wish you uh, all of the best success in everything that you do. Although I don't feel like we have to wish that for you. You're just going to make it happen. <laughs> and thanks again for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me.